copies that are sitting right back there, so everyone keep them in line. Um, but I asked them, I said, hey, man, like, what do you guys remember about Resilient Life Church? Because as I thought about, man, this is a big part of my life, uh, mine and April's life, and then obviously for our kids as well, too. And I asked all my kids this morning, I was like, hey, like, what do you remember? And, and some of the boys were like, oh, I remember, I remember children's ministry. I remember going outside. And I remember, you know, uh, I remember the, uh, Maddie said that she remember meeting with the girls and, and talking about things of the, of the Bible. I remember April said, oh, I remember we did that. Um, we used to do events and we do special things for like Father's Day. And, and uh, Jonah actually, him and I kind of had the similar one. And we talked about how we had a, uh, was it a, a crazy Christmas sweater party here one time. Remember you guys, remember, for you guys over there, you guys remember that. And it was just a lot of fun. And, and I just, man, there's just nothing but just, just joy and, and smiles. So to be here this morning is honestly just an absolute joy this morning for me personally. And also just sitting back there, I can't, and I'm going to do this, I'm not, not to, to puff up the, your, the ego of your pastor. I am so proud of him, honestly. Um, you guys know, and I've shared it before, it's, it's, it's years have gone by now, but man, leaving here was one of the hardest things that I had to do, but I knew that I was leaving it in the hands of the right guy. First and foremost, I was leaving it in the hands of God, <laughs> but secondly, it was this man right here. And the fact that he has been faithful here in this pulpit is so rad. It reminds me of how maybe Paul felt when he would look back about Timothy and Titus and go back and check on the things and just look here and see there are people here this morning that are coming to hear the word, that are coming to worship the Lord is awesome. So I want to just say, good job, church. You guys are doing it. You guys are doing a great job. Um, so with that, man, it's, it's such a cool time. It's also a really strange time with everything that's going on in the world, but it is a rad time to be a preacher. I'll tell you that. Um, I preached last week at our church down in Gilroy, and there was something that happened right before uh, I came to the, the pulpit, and there was just a fire that just came into my soul. I was like, man, I'm going to preach as if I don't have another second here on this earth. So this morning, I don't necessarily want to do a Bible study or teaching. I want to preach this morning. So I hope you're okay with that, because we're going to go for a ride, church. But i got to ask you guys a question. How many of you guys would consider yourselves to be planners? There's like three people. I asked that question because this is a topic of discussion I have in everywhere, whether it's in work, in our family, whatever. But like, do you consider yourself a planner? Are you that type of person who, man, I plan everything. I live and I die by my plans. I have, you know, a plan. I have a planner for every week of the year. I've got all these different things. Does anybody have a house that has like multiple just planners and rooms? My wife's back there hanging her head. She's like, I don't even want to be talked about this morning. <laughs> For me personally, I am a planner. It's part of what I do. Part of my job is to be somebody who plans things out. I like plans because plans give us instruction. Uh, plans give us a direction of, of what we're going. And for some of you, many of you that are here this morning that might not consider yourself to be a planner, you do in fact plan many things. I don't know if you know that or not. For example, you plan vacations. Huh? Right? Does anybody have a vacation that they planned recently or are planning right now? There are no people that plan vacations two years in advance. I mean, I wish I had that life, but I don't get to do those things. But vacations, you plan that. You plan parties. Our daughter graduated this year. We planned a graduation party for her. I remember all of the, the plans that went into that. We planned things like weddings. My sister got married this year. There was a lot. It was a year's worth of plans going into that. We plan wedding anniversaries. I'm in the process of doing that now because in a couple of weeks, my wife and I are celebrating 20 years of being married, which is totally by the grace of God, okay? It's not because we're all that cool or all that smart. We, are, we have fallen into the hands of grace, and that is why we have made it 20 years. Well, 
Hopefully. <laughs> we still got a couple more weeks. But we put a lot of plans in that. We plan things like, like our weekly schedule. Our kids, we've got kids in school, high school. We've got all these different like plans and lists and things that we've got to work. How many of you guys plan your meals? One person. You're a liar. I plan your meals. That's my son. We meal plan. We have calendars. We're like, hey, this is where it's, it's sandwich night. It's sandwich night. Like we have a lot of sandwich nights during the week because it's just it's busy. But we plan those things, right? We have people who plan out like our, our workout routines and our regimens. So for those of you who say, well, I'm not really a planner. Yes, you are. You do plan things. Now, how detailed you go and get into your plan is a completely different discussion. I know people who have schematics and they have all kinds of color codes and all these things. You need like a decoder ring just to figure out what it is that they're doing. And other people are like, I just need a stick it note. That's all I need. I just need a little reminder that tells me what I'm doing. So how detailed you get with it depends. But the question I have for you this morning is, does planning even matter? I mean, really, there are some who would say, you know what? And, I, and, for, and I've said this too. You know what? I'm just trusting the Lord. Amen. We need to trust the Lord. But I feel like sometimes what we do when we say that, it's kind of like throwing pennies in a wishing well. I'm trusting the Lord. <laughs> um, fingers crossed this is what i'm hoping is going to happen and we treat it more like as i mean i'm hopeful and i wish that this was going to happen and, and that's the way that we approach these things but i want to say this this morning that a goal without a plan is just a dream it's just a wish i'll say that again a goal without a plan is just a wish if you aim at nothing you will hit it every single time So going back to this, when I ask you, do you have plans? Do you have goals? I mean it more like this. What are your goals and your plans for your marriage? What are your goals and your plans for your family? Um, I have now crossed into another stage of my life. I am now 40 years old, which I never thought would ever happen. It's not supposed to happen to, to us. But as I've gotten a little older, I realized, man, like, I, I really do care about what happens to my sons. I really do care what happens to my daughter. I care what happens to my family. And, and that's what's provoked a lot of these thoughts. What are the goals and plans for my family? What are the goals and plans for my spiritual walk? See, sometimes, again, we kind of go into it like, yeah, I'm following Jesus, but we follow Jesus with kind of like a fingers crossed type of mentality. What is actually the goal and what is the plan for our walk with the Lord? What is the goal and plan for our walk with Jesus? Well, biblically speaking, the Bible offers a balanced approach to setting goals that include making plans. See, it says that we're to do that, but we're to do those things with wisdom And here's the key word that we need to hold on to this morning, humility, 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 humility. That is huge when it comes to following Jesus church. Jesus gave an illustration in his word of a, of building a tower and and, and he was implying that it is good for us. And it is a good thing to have set goals. If you have your Bibles this morning, open it up to Luke chapter 14. And I'm going to read the text and then we'll pray. And we're going to take it kind of piece by piece. And it's in Luke chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 25 through 32. And many of you guys know this story. This is actually one of my favorite portions and one of my favorite stories in the Bible where Jesus is going around doing ministry. He's hanging out with a big crowd of people. 
But in verse 25, it says, A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Let's pray, church. Father, thank you so much again for today. How good it is to be in your house this morning. How good it is to be with the church, with your people. And Father, this morning, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would teach us this morning, Lord. I thank you for each person that's here, God. I pray that today that we would leave here better than the way that we came in. Father, we, we, we dedicate and consecrate this time and this day to you. So please have your way in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, just to help out a little bit this morning, I have chosen to read from the NLT version uh, this morning. Typically, we, we teach from the ESV, but as I was looking over the different translations of Scripture, I just like the way this one read. And so, uh, for I don't know, again, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but I like things to be simplified. <laughs> and I like things, I mean, if you really want to be super spiritual, then go for the King James. Go for it. I don't care. But this morning, for simplicity reasons, I really like the way that the NLT reads. But as Jesus is continuing his ministry. Again, we're talking a little bit here this morning about goals and plans. Remember, Jesus has a goal. He came here because he had a goal and a purpose. So he's on his way to Jerusalem at this time. And as he's doing ministry and he's making his way to Jerusalem, ultimately he's going there for what? To die. That's his goal. That's his purpose. But not to just stay there, but to rise again, right? And so that was the goal. There are plans that were involved, were many different steps. But Jesus is with this crowd. And as Jesus and this large crowd are walking and they're making their way toward Jerusalem, Jesus speaks an appropriate word to the large crowd that is following him. He turned and he said to them, he says, If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. And right there, many people are like, what is he talking about? Now, for many of you who have been walking the Lord, you already know what's happening here. You already know what's being said, but if this is maybe their first time hearing these words, it kind of hits you. You're like, wait, did Jesus just say I got to hate my mom? Did Jesus just say I have to hate my dad? Jesus is using hyperbole. It's a figure of speech that relies on exaggeration to make a point. He is not encouraging his followers to turn against their family members. Rather... He is explaining that even devotion to family does not replace discipleship. Now, we all love our families, right? I hope so. Even the ones that are kind of buggy, you still love them. We're going into the holiday time. Hopefully, you guys love your families. You're going to be spitting around some tables. It's going to be real awkward. But we love our families. Even the ones that are hard to love, we love them. And for many of us, we would do anything. I know people that are straight up, man, it's family above everything is is a common phrase. But the scriptures teach us differently. Our families are important to us. And Jesus said, yeah, they're going to be important to you. But by comparison, they should not be more important. They should not be devoted to more than, than, than our relationship. Jesus says, it's me and it's you. I am supreme. I am the one that there should be no rival when it comes to anything in your life, whether that's a person or a thing. I'm number one. That is ultimately what Jesus is talking about here with this crowd. Jesus turned to the multitude And what I love is that he preaches a sermon to them. But this sermon 
this is the way you thin out a crowd. This is not the way that you build churches today. You don't build these things. I mean, if you're trying to get a lot of people to come to your church, this is not the way that you do it. But Jesus preached a word that would have thinned out the ranks. He made it clear that when it comes to personal discipleship, he is more interested in quality than quantity. In the matter of saving lost souls, hear me clearly this morning, he wants his house to be filled, the scriptures tell us. But in the matter of personal discipleship, he wants only those who have counted the cost and are willing to pay the price. In the matter of saving lost souls, as I said, he wants his house to be filled. A disciple, a disciple is just a learner. It's, it's somebody who is, has attached himself or herself to a teacher in order to learn a trade or a subject. For us, the most modern version of that would be an apprentice. It's somebody who, who learns by watching and by doing. That is what a disciple is. Jesus seems to make a distinction between salvation and discipleship here, and we need to be clear about that this morning. Salvation is open to all who come by faith. Amen? It's for everybody. While discipleship is for believers willing to pay a price, who have counted the costs. Salvation means coming to the cross and trusting Jesus Christ, while discipleship means carrying the cross and following Jesus Christ. Jesus wants as many sinners saved as possible. That's the heart of God. But he cautions us not to take discipleship lightly and urges people to count the cost, to calculate, to set a goal, and to make a plan. Jesus then offers some illustrations to make this point this morning. Continuing, it says in verse 28, But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money and that everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. I love how Jesus teaches, how he brings in stories and things like that. And he brings in this story, and he's talking here about building. And I started to think about that for a second. Building a home is exciting. I know people that have done it. I've never personally built like a whole house, but I've been part of construction and stuff like that. But building a home, especially if it's like your dream home, that's exciting. That is something that is really cool to do. But before you even start the build, there must be a goal and followed by a plan to achieve that goal, right? Nobody... Nobody just closes their eyes, wakes up, and there's my house. I know, man. I know Mark's been in construction for years. You've never seen a house just appear. There's been lots of goals and plans that have been set in order to do those things. And not just building anything. It takes a goal and it takes plan. The goal here is build a beautiful home. I want to build a beautiful home for my family. And the plan is many steps. See, like I said, it doesn't just happen. There takes a lot of different things that have to take place in order to actually build that home. Nobody, as I said, closes their eyes, and then all of a sudden it just appears. 
If you don't take time to plan, you may never even start the build. <laughs> I started thinking about this driving this morning. How many of us have those projects at home? Wives, don't say anything to your husbands right now. You know those projects where it's like, man, I've been talking about it for years. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to clean out the garage. That's a personal one for me right now. For two months, I think, I've attempted to clean our garage. But you have these things where you say, man, I, 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 here it is. But there's no plan to actually accomplish the goal. So therefore, you don't even start the build. Or maybe you start the build, but you don't complete it. We've done that many times too. Where it's like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend 20 minutes in the garage. We're going to work on it and then come back the next day. And it's like we did four hours of, of breaking things down as opposed to actually getting anything fixed. So you might start it but never complete it. Or you may start the build and you may build something that you didn't plan or expect. Like the people who decided to build a church building one day. But for some reason, I don't think anybody sat down, really looked at the goal or the plans, and then they got this, this building. If you could put up the, the picture, um, what does that look like? That's a church, y'all. Uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> Mark's like, who, who? I started thinking, like, man, at what point in the process did you not look at the plans and realize that that looks like Chicken Little? That is straight chicken little, guys. But do you see what I'm saying, though? Man, without the plans, you get a chicken building. I don't know about you, but I don't know. I don't know if I can see resilient life on, the, on that building right now. And, and really, I would just mess with chicken church. That's what that is. You can, you can take that away, man. That's <laughs> distracting me. But, man, that's the problem when we don't have a goal and we don't have plans. We end up getting weird buildings. Now think about that, whether that's, that building is, is building up your family or building up your marriage. Man, without a plan, without a goal, we get weird things. We really do. I know that chicken image is now stuck in my brain for the rest of the day. I'm sure he does. But Jesus asks, he says, what? He says, who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Jesus, in, in, in simple words, is saying, set a goal. Make a plan. And remember, he's talking about what it means to follow him. And the reason I think this has hit me so hard in the, in the last kind of few months is, is I realize that, you know, yes, coming to Jesus is, is simple in the faith, and, and, but th- there is work involved and a plan involved when it, we need to continue following him. And again, like, it's like I'm following Jesus, and you're like, but we live our lives sometimes like, I don't know what Jesus is doing. He's given us his word. He tells us what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. That's the goal, and that's the plan. The goal is to be more like Jesus, and the plan is his word. And if we're not spending time in his word, we don't know the plan. Jesus said, you're going to follow me, then, then follow me. <laughs> and this is the way you follow me. Jesus doubles down here, though. He doesn't just leave it with one illustration. He goes on and he says, in verse 31, he says, Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, He will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. 
The, the illustration in the picture here is of a king who is assessing his ability to do battle with another more powerful king. He is forming a plan. What kind of a plan? A battle plan. The first plan we looked at was a building plan. A building plan and now a battle plan. And Jesus says here, he says, after sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him, the king realizes that he can't. And then it says that he sends a delegation, a representative. He sends a representative to discuss terms of peace. It is only after he has sat down and examined the weight of his consequences and decisions does he then put a plan into action. I love that it mentions here that he, not just here by himself, sometimes it means that we need to actually reach out for counsel for our plans and our goals. And that's what this king is doing. He's sitting down with his counselors. The goal in this illustration is to not be defeated by a more powerful king. It would not do him well if he was very prideful. (laughs) Ah, man, we got 10,000. We could totally go after it. Calm yourself, buddy. (laughs) Sit down. Think about it. Get counsel. Look at the goal. What is the goal? What is the plan? Well, the goal is to not be defeated by a more powerful king. The plan is to, it says, discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away, not standing at your doorstep. This is a battle plan. You might think, well, that's not a really good battle plan. I mean, a good battle plan would be, let's go to war. Not if you're going to lose. Sometimes you've got to sit down and you've got to assess the situation and weigh it out and say, man, what is wise in this? And remember that word I used earlier? Do I need to exercise humility? Sometimes being wise means that we need to be humble. This guy who's got 10,000 needs to humble himself and realize, I cannot go out against this army. So what am I going to do? I'm going to discuss terms of peace instead of going to war. Because ultimately, I do not want to be defeated. See, I don't think personally that any of us in this room have a hard time setting goals. Like, if I, like, what, what, if I, those things, like what, what's the goal for you? What's the goal for your family? What's the goal? I think it's easy for us to set goals. I think for us to look down the road and say, man, I'd love this, and, and even to aim at that. But I do think that the struggle is in the actual making of plans. That's why I asked earlier when we started, do you consider yourself a planner? Again, a goal with no plan is just a wish. Why? church is it's so hard to plan i and i get i love people who are so carefree and just like man we're just gonna go with it we're gonna trust the lord see how it all, and i i've lived like that for many years but i realized that 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 has its limits at times where it's like uh, nick you really should have thought this through but i mean get why is it so hard to plan and i thought about this all week Asking myself this question, Nick, like, why is there such a struggle when it comes to planning? And I think there are a lot of common reasons on why it's so hard for us to plan. I think one of them is a lack of motivation. I think a lack of motivation, uh, especially, you know, kind of coming out of now the, the whole pandemic and the, the, those, those two years that were kind of like a glitch in our lives. Or it was like, man, coming out of that, it's like, man, I'm just not motivated to do things. I know people that to this day are still not motivated to get up on a Sunday and go to church. 
There's a lack of motivation for things. I mean, there's still people, it's like, you can go to the grocery store. There's plenty of toilet paper out there in the world. And yet people still are just like, ah, I'd just rather have somebody just, just deliver it to my house. You know, it's funny because my wife always is like, hey, like, I want to do a Walmart order. And I'm always like, no. And she's like, why do you hate Walmart orders? And I, I have reasons for it. But really what it is, is like, I don't want to fall into that zone where I'm just like, there's no motivation for me to get up and go and do things and do things for myself. I don't want things to just keep coming and, and, and showing up because half the time they don't even get the right stuff. You got the wrong mayonnaise. You better never bring Miracle Whip to my house. Best foods only. I preach best foods and Jesus, okay? But it's a lack of motivation on what hinders us for actually making plans. Or it could be a lack of organization. I, I, some people say, man, I, I, just, I, just don't, I just don't have organizational skills. And it, because I don't have that, it just prevents me from actually making a plan or, or setting a plan or, or anything like that. Or there's a lack of self-discipline. You know, I, I started to think about a lot of times for us when we look at planning, we treat it kind of like New Year's resolutions. How's that going at the end of 2023? How's your New Year's resolution? It's funny. I, heard, I was reading a, 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 something this week and it said that most resolutions are made within five minutes before being asked, like, hey, what's your New Year's resolution? Everyone's like, I better come up with something. Ah, I'm going to go to the gym. I, I got to... That has nothing to do with the message this morning, but I just want to say I'm very proud of myself. I joined a gym, but I successfully quit the gym too. I say this because some of you still have gym memberships from 1986 that you're paying for. No, I was like, I am done. I'm not going. I don't want to go to the gym anymore. Let me quit. Do you know why it is really hard to quit the gym? They make it impossible for you. I, someone told me I had to have my doctor like vouch for me. That I could, it was crazy. It was weird. And I said, uh, no, I'm not giving you money. And I ended it. But there's this lack of motivation. Like I said, the New Year's resolutions, like, hey, I, I want to do all these things. And it's like, man, some of us are like, oh, I want to learn how to cook. Or I want to do these different things. I want to pick up a skill. And then you look back now and it's like, I never did one thing. I didn't do any of that. I know certain people, it's funny. I love New, Year, New Year's resolutions. It's like, what are you going to do? I'm going to learn a new language. How's that going? Uh, <laughs> they, they learn nothing. There's a lack of, of self-discipline. Or there, there's a genuine fear of failure that hinders people from making plans. I don't want to fail. And so because I don't want to fail and because of the fear that I have, I don't make the plan. Therefore, I never reach the goal. And for some people, me even just mentioning the idea of you making a plan has already stirred up anxiety. There are people who genuinely get anxiety when you start talking about setting a schedule, making a plan, hitting a goal. It's a real thing. It may be that you have not yet identified what your goals and values are clearly. Ask yourself this, just between you and the Lord, what is the goal for my family? What is the goal for, for my relationship with my spouse? What, what, is, what is my goal for me? Yeah, I've, I'm saved. That's awesome. And, and I love, I'm, I'm going to heaven. But, but I'm not here to be saved to just sit and occupy space. What is the goal and what is the plan for me as a believer and follower of Jesus? And let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I'm sure he has much to say. But genuinely say, what is the goal? What is the plan for these things? Set those goals identify what values are there 
Now, here's one that I'm going to say, and it's a common one. And, and I'm not saying this to be rude. I, I, I identify with this as well. But a, a lot of reasons why we struggle to plan is because planning involves hard work. And simply put, we're lazy. Like, let's just own it. I have to, I, I, I was like, I don't want to put this in my notes. No, I don't even bring up this point. But I sat there and I thought, man, there are times. There are times. I'm telling you guys, it's taken me over two months to even, even attempt to get my garage cleaned. And I'll sit down with the family in the week and I'll be like, we're going to clean the garage this Saturday. There's no baseball. There's no nothing going on. I'm not preaching. We're going to clean the garage. Saturday morning, I open up the door. Ooh. Okay, so you know what? We really need some time to rest. And I was just thinking like, you know, it's been a really long week. And I think, you know, we just need to kind of decompress. And let's just, let's just clean the kitchen. Only to mess it up again an hour later because we can't stop cooking in it. And we never, ever get the garage cleaned. We never, ever get it. And what is it? Because it's, it's, it, it falls on me because dad's, dad's being lazy. So then it's easier for my kids to be lazy. And then what's our goal? We didn't reach it. Where's a bunch of lazy people in my house? And I can sit there on my couch while eating Fritos and look at my kids and go, you guys are lazy. Garage never got done. It started with me. Why? Because I didn't have a goal or a plan. And what's the result? My garage is still a mess. The boys think we're going to go home and clean it. They're all sitting in the back. They're just like biting their nails. Like, Dad's going to make us clean the garage when we go home after church. <laughs> Maybe. Um, to live with no motivation or planning is not God's desire, church. And I say this because I really do feel like maybe it is because of where we've come out of in the last couple of years. But I feel like a lot of Christians have kind of lost a lot of motivation. A lot of, of that, that urgency. Because it got real easy for us to just be like, well, I can't go to church, so we're not going to go to church. So we're just going to chill. Two years of chilling is way too many. <laughs> in fact, Jesus... In the scriptures, the word of God addresses this idea of the laziness. And in fact, in Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, this is what the word of God says. It says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones... How long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. These verses tell us laziness causes a person to neglect work and fail to utilize the window of opportunity. We're all here right now. We woke up, breath in our lungs, eyes open. We are alive. That means there's a window of opportunity for us, church. What are you doing with the time that you have? You know, as I, I was even talking with Mark, we were talking about, you know, we're getting older. <laughs> and it's like, he said something that I thought was really, really cool. He said, man, I, these could be the, the, the best years of my life. For, for me, I'm looking at this could be the best moment of my life. This could be the best day of my life. I don't know what is ahead, but right now we need to seize the window of opportunity. Yeah. 
you know, um, being here is awesome and joyful to sit, but also has some, some things that remind me of some things that are sad too. Because there was a, a many years and a point where my father sat right here and played worship music. And so to be here this morning, it just reminds me of that too. I miss him all. But again, what it does is it just makes me crave heaven. But it also makes me realize that, hey, I'm still here and there's a window of opportunity. Lord, what is the goal and what is the plan for me here now? What is your plan? What is your goal for my family here now? We are here. So we have a window of opportunity. And your word says, don't be lazy. Summer is the preparation time for winter. Scripture tells us failure to plan ahead will result in poverty and want. That is what it is telling us. Wisely setting goals leads to strong plans and better results. Here's a verse that that hit me. And really sparked this whole idea. But Proverbs 21 verse 5, it says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. When good planning is combined with hard work, there will be a prosperous harvest. We talk a lot about that in our house. The idea of reaping and sowing and, you know, it's like, how can I, I sow, so, how, can I, how can I expect to reap something that I haven't sowed in? We talk about hard work. We talk about whatever. It's like, you know, you can't just expect to get straight A's if you didn't put in the work in school, right? And a lot of times I think that's how we approach things in our Christian walk. It's kind of like, well, I'm saved, so things should just happen. That's not really how it works. Yes, you're saved. When you die, you're going to heaven. Praise God. But there's more to it. See, the one who wants to avoid work, find shortcuts, and cut corners will find failures instead of prosperity, the path that leads to poverty. Now, real quick, I want you to understand, and I'm going to make a note here, I am not talking about money and finances here, friends. Now, don't get me wrong. If you have a goal and you set plans and the Lord is in them, for sure he can completely bless you financially, 100%. But money is not the point I'm making. The point that I'm making is a person who diligently and carefully plans his work and works his plans is prosperous, or a better word that I want to use this morning is thriving. Jesus came to make us alive, amen? As well as thrive in this life and the life to come. See, a lot of us, we get Jesus is alive and he came to make us alive and we think it stops there. But he didn't just do that. He came to make us thrive. He came to give us life and life more what? Abundantly. (laughs) Thriving in this life is closely connected to good planning and hard work. Hard work it's funny. I, I, I realize it even now more, but you know, certain generations just understood hard work. There's an older generation before me that they definitely knew. I think my generation is kind of about that, that tipping point. And anything past my generation, it was like, what's work? I have guys that work uh, at our company and things like that. And it's like, <laughs> we, we, me and my other buddy who are the same age, we sit in our office and we just laugh. Because it's like the idea of hard work is just not existing. 
Where were we at? We were just over here. It's like, what was the, the job that was open over here at the, at the, at the liquor store or the gas station? It's like, they're like, they're, you could literally be the CEO of a gas station right now. Like, they're just giving jobs away. Health benefits, all this different stuff. We're about ready to go apply. Because they don't, the hard work. And so I think there's a concept here for us as Christians that we think, man, when I got, when I got saved, it was kind of like, I just sit back and let Jesus do everything. He's done everything for salvation. Well, it's not about works. I know you're not saved by those, but you're going to work. And you also should work hard so that you can reap the benefits that he offers. Planning typically leads to thriving. It's not wrong to plan, church. And I want you to hear that today. I don't know where it got lost in translation, but a lot of people are like, ah, you know, no, I just trust the Lord. And that's, yeah, great. Praise God. But what's, what's your plan? <laughs> The title of today's message is Builds and Battles. The Christian life consists of builds and battles. I could ask you right now, man, what is something that you've built in your life with Jesus? What, 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 what is something that you've battled? What, what, what's a battle that you are, were in? What's a battle that you're in? I mean, you're constantly going between the two, right? You're building something with the Lord or you're battling something with the Lord. But how we handle these things... See, both of those things need a plan. You need a building plan, and you need a battle plan. But is it really about setting goals and planning, Nick? I mean, come on. Come on, bud. Like, where's your faith? I have plenty of it. It's not a question of faith. It's a question of, am I going to put in the hard work to reach the goal that he has for me. Oh, I didn't know there was work involved. (laughs) My answer to the question, is it really about setting goals and planning? Yes and no. See, there's a whole thing behind it. Just because we've done our planning doesn't guarantee that our goals will be met. Well, then what's the point of everything you're saying, Nick? What a bummer. The process of setting goals must be infused with, here's the word again, humility. Scripture also tells us in James chapter 4, verse 13, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year, we will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then gone. I, I gravitate to this portion of scripture because a lot of people will take this as a reason why they should never plan anything. That is not what it is saying. It's actually saying the opposite. It's not saying that we shouldn't plan. It's not saying that we shouldn't set goals. The Bible teaches against two extremes. Never setting goals or making plans. That's the first extreme. And setting goals and plans with no thought of God. If your goal doesn't have God woven into it, then your plans don't either. And now you've got a problem. Our planning... Our goals have to have 
the Lord over it, under it, woven into it. It's okay to make plans, but make sure you're doing them with the Lord. See, the balance alternative is found in James chapter 4, the next verse, in verse 15, where it says, What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. We always have to fall back to the idea of, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus himself did that. And who are we supposed to be more like? Jesus. Do you see how he has laid out the way that we do things? It's good to make plans as long as we leave room for God to change our plans. It's open-handed plans. And this is where a lot of Christians struggle. Because we're so, ah, I got so detailed with my plans. I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach this by five years. This is what I got going on. And then all of a sudden it doesn't happen and you get mad at Jesus. Did you consult with him before you even started all that detail? <laughs> did, you, did you go to him? Did you say, hey, and, and I, I talk a lot like this with, with a lot of young guys today. Where we sit down, they're talking about, hey, I want to move my family. I want to do that. Cool, that's great. Awesome, cool. Did you talk to the Lord about it? You're about to make a decision, which, hey, maybe that's what the Lord's doing. But did you make sure that that's what the Lord wants you to do? Because you want to you, you go with him. <laughs> you want to do what he wants you to do. That's the open-handed plan. Lord, this is what's in my heart. This is what I feel. This is what I believe. I'm going to do this. Change it if it's not what it's supposed to be. Take it away. There are many things in my life, many things in my life that I planned. I was all, and, and then the Lord completely did something different. And I look back years later, and I'm so thankful that God did not cave to my will, but I caved to his and saved me years of heartache, wandering, detours, things that don't need to happen. All I needed to do was consult him in my planning. It's okay to come to the Lord. I, I, I have these very open, out loud co- talks with the Lord where I'm like sitting in my office. I'm like, hey, uh, God, this is what I'm thinking about doing. I even have whiteboards. Okay. <laughs> I write things on and I'm like, oh, this is what I want to do by this and such and such a day. I had a plan of something that I wanted to achieve by the end of this month. It's not going to happen. But the Lord said, it's okay. It's fine. Why? Well, Nick, that was your timetable. That was your time schedule, your timeline. I have something different that I'm doing. Okay, cool. I can rest on that. I was sharing with Keefing this morning coming up. One of the things for preachers and teachers that we struggle with is the timeline of prep, preparing a message in the week. Life gets busy, family, sports, kids, all kinds of stuff, random things that pop up. And as pastors, we can sit there and start getting worried about, oh man, like, I just, I need time to study. I'm not being able to study. I'm not being able to study. I'm not being able to study. And the Lord's like saying, it's okay. And I even told Keefing this this morning. I said, you know, after a certain time, as you start, I've been doing this for a while, certain things should get easier. His word hasn't changed. His message hasn't changed. It's not like all of a sudden we woke up this week and it's like, man, he's got new information. I got to figure it out. It's like, no, it's all there. It's the same. Why am I stressing? And I heard a pastor say this to me. He's like, you know, honestly, he's like, there's death by distraction. And sometimes us worrying about our study time is a distraction. He's like, I've already given you the word. You're going to stand up there. and You're going to preach my truth because it's not your words. It's my word. Do you know how like, relieving that is to be like, man, these are my words. God's goals take priority over ours, church. Proverbs 16, 9 says, 
We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That's a famous verse. We probably have it on a mug or something like that. But do we really understand that? It doesn't remove us from the idea of making plans. It says we make our plans. Then that's fine and that's okay and we should. But never forget, it's the Lord who determines our steps. I shared this with our church last week. Growing up as a kid in church and so that, the last thing I ever wanted to be was a pastor. That's a bold thing to tell a congregation that you're actually preaching in front of. I never wanted to be here. But that's not what I was saying. What I was saying is growing up, I didn't want to be a pastor. And the reason was, was because I understand the heaviness of I'm being used as a mouthpiece for the Lord, for the word of God. I don't want that responsibility. I remember being 15. Guys said, you're going to be a pastor one day. Shut your mouth. No. See, my plan was Nick loves rock music. Nick is as a band. It's doing well. I'm going to be a rocker. That's what my plan is. And no, it didn't happen. The Lord changed it. He made me a pastor. He made me a preacher of truth and grace and love and mercy. That was his goal. That was his plan. But I'll tell you what, for many years, even standing in this pulpit, Sunday after Sunday, it took me a long time to actually submit to that was what the Lord wanted me to do. I even reminded, or told told Keevan this morning that the Lord has been gently reminding me of what he has called me to do. And that's to preach and to teach his word. See, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I'm alongside you this morning. It has, I've, I've fallen into those things where it's very easy for me to be like, I'm just going to chill. The lack of motivation is real. I suffer from it too. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. In other words, we have our ideas and we make our plans, but God will ultimately accomplish his sovereign desire Again, this is not an excuse for us to not plan, church. We should set goals and we should make plans. The life, as I mentioned earlier, consists of builds and battles. And for both of those things in our life, I don't know where you find yourself today, you need a plan. There's two important questions to ask. Do my goals make room for the unexpected? Going back to the idea Have I left room for the Lord to completely change everything? That is something that I've worked so hard to do in my life. With anything that I do, Lord, I always want you to have the final say. Even if it's the the final minute, you get the final word. You get to change whatever you want to change. The second is, do I love God's will more than my own? That's a little tricky. But church, we can take comfort in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. That's why I like the New Living Translation because it just says it how it needs to be said. (laughs) Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. It really is. Our goal setting needs to be accompanied by reverence and fear of the Lord. 
If our plans focus on Jesus and honor him, he will see to it that the best results, the eternal results are ours. Amen, church. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you, um, not only have you loved us so much that you gave us your son to die on our behalf and risen from the dead and giving us the opportunity to accept and receive eternal life, God, but you loved us enough to give us your word, to give us the goal, to give us the plans in order to live and have thriving lives here on earth. And a lot of times why we don't get things, or it's because simply we just haven't reached out and taken them. And so, Lord, I pray that today, myself included, hands both lifted high, that I would be someone who would want what you want. What your goal is for my life, that I would want that. And I would follow whatever steps, whatever the plan and whatever hard work is involved to achieve that goal with you. I love that we do not have to do these things separately. You don't say, here's the goal, here's the plan, figure it out, kid. No, you're a loving father. Loved us so much that you died for us and loved us enough to live with us, to do life with us. So Father, I pray for Resilient Life Church, God. For each person that's here, that you would stir up, maybe kind of relight that fire. Take us back to the day where we first believed. Show us the goal, Lord, and help us set the plans that you have for our lives, for our marriages, for our families for our relationship with you, Lord. And then give us the faith and the trust to follow you blindly. Whatever you ask us to do, that we would do it with no, no reservation. Because honestly, you, you, you deserve that. You've given us everything. So Father, I, I thank you that you, you didn't just... just die and and, and rise just to leave us but you are here with us and you are doing life with us and you will sustain us until that blessed day when you call us all home father i'm so grateful that we get to walk hand in hand with you in this life father help us today to hold your hand just a little bit tighter in jesus name we pray amen